0: LBC 97.3, this is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Steve Allen here. Coming up in an hour, I'll be in conversation with Simon Pegg. He tells me all about his new film, A Fantastic Fear of Everything, and Tim McInerney. But first of all, here are my best bits from last week. We started off talking about the Queen's Diamond Jubilee, which really dominated, I suppose, the first half of the week. Morning, four minutes. But it's very warm in here today, very warm. It's cold outside and cold, yes, it went for a nice walk in Regent's Park while the rest of you were assembling on the banks of the Thames. It was all very exciting. Lots of people, you know, down there waving at boats, you know. And I, I, thought, I thought the best thing about the whole day was the whole day. I just thought it went really well. There was no sort of mishaps, nobody was stupid, nobody jumped off a bridge, nobody tried to halt the, the flotilla. You know, it was wonderful, and uh, and it was just nice. It was just nice. It brought us all together in London. Who gives us stuff about Birmingham and Newcastle and places like that? We had the pageant. We had the, we had the pageant. You know, people from up north came down on buses and things like that, and we let them in temporarily, but we sent them all home now. We don't want people like that clogging up the capital at all. And uh, and it was lovely. And then the Queen was... Po- the Queen, the, the best bit for the Queen, War Horse. Because they they waited for about seven months to try and work out how to get the war horse up onto the roof of the National Theatre. So as it went past, the horse went through. It. it was quite cleverly done, and then it appeared at the end, and you could see the Queen go, "Oh look, it's that horse we had at Windsor," because they had it down at down at Windsor to sort of show them the uh, the artistry and the puppetry, and it was fantastic. It was it was one of the best bits. I thought the other the other best bit for me was uh, Kate looking quite nice, you know, wearing all red, so You couldn't miss her. And uh, a little bit windswept, But the good news was that, you know, William and Harry obviously chat away like brothers should do because you, you get so many brothers, don't you, nowadays, like the Oasis brothers who don't talk to each other. And they look at Harry and William and you think you've actually got everything. And yet there they were chatting away. And, you know, it was, it was all quite nice. And, you know, Charles and Edwin you know, little, little bit. And, uh, and Camilla was there looking like an upside down lampshade which was quite nice. The Queen looked lovely, and the boat looked fantastic. And where the rowers got the strength from, God alone knows, they were rowing for hours, hours. It was it was super, it really was. I loved it, loved every bit of it. I thought it was fantastic. It made me sort of feel, um... I, I sort of made me feel, you know, a bit proud to be British. Because, as you know, I'm a bit of a royalist, I'm afraid. I don't care, I nail my colours to the mast earlier on. Always been a big fan of the royal family. Don't like all of them. Don't like Prince Andrew. Couldn't bear Sarah Ferguson. Can't bear Prince Andrew's children. And uh, not a huge fan of Princess Anne. I know people like her, but luckily it's a free country and we're all entitled to opinion. And mine is, I don't like Princess Anne. There you go, it's my opinion. And uh, But I love the rest of them. I love Philip and I love the Queen. And to a certain extent, I like Charles. Charles, I think you could actually probably sit down and have a bit of a chat with. I don't think he's the most intelligent bloke in the world. But there again, I don't think anybody in the royal family is. Because it's it's a job and they're so far removed from the real world. I was saying to somebody the other day... That, you know, I mean, I mean, the Queen has never known the delights of pushing a shopping trolley around Asda. You know, putting your card in the diddly dip machine and, and it being rejected by, you know, the card issuer, or sort of sitting there at red traffic lights. She's never known it. Putting her own toothpaste on a brush. They've never known this. Actually, going to bed at night thinking, oh, God, what am I going to wear tomorrow? What am I going to wear tomorrow? I better get something. I better press something. No, it's all done. They know every outfit she's going to wear for the next month. It's laid out, you know, there she has the queen of the bed, she has the queen, she has the, uh, the woman of the bedchamber, woman of the bath, they will run the bath, they do everything. She does not have to lift a finger, she doesn't have to think, if I go out and do some shopping, where am I going to park, have I got money for the meter? She doesn't need to worry about things like that. Must be a wonderful life. A little bit removed from the rest of us, but, you know, quite nice, I don't have a problem with that. So I was, I was pleased with the way the whole thing went. I thought it, it, it just fitted in beautifully. I just thought it it went without a hitch. The boats looked looked wonderful. So anybody who took part in it, anybody who went down there... I mean, they were, when I spoke to Clive Bull, they were about 20 or 30 deep at the Festival Hall. That's how, that's how good it was. People on every bridge, people on every office block, people in every flat. If you're not a royalist, I really couldn't give a stuff. I'm not remotely interested in what you think about it, as far as I was concerned. We're never going to see the like of it ever again. And I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. I like the idea that Charles and his mum still, still chat... Do you think he calls a poppet? What do you think he calls her? Mumsy, mumsy. No, I he he did call her when when they did the last concert. He did make his speech and say, "Your Majesty, mummy." Of course, everybody laughed and the Queen looked like thunder because they they still have protocol within the royal family, and she wouldn't have brought them up to say anything like that. Uh, but it was it was good. Unfortunately, the poor woman's now got to suffer with that blasted concert. Kylie Minogue, you know, lovely, lovely though it is. Kylie Minogue. I mean, you could tell Gary Barlow put it together. Who wants to see Robbie Williams? Not again, let me entertain you. I don't think so. Not for many a year. Nobody's remotely interested. You know, and he'll, he'll jump up and down like the demonic person that he is. And then you'll have to put up with, uh, who else have we got? Cliff Richard. It'll, it's bound to rain. It always rains. Whenever Cliff Richard appears, it rains, poor soul. And you'll have Paul McCartney. I mean, it's, it's quite nice, but she'll, she doesn't like pop music. She doesn't like it at all. You know, she'd be happier with, with, with some classical, something like that. But, of course, the crowds will jump up and down, and then she'll do the obligatory standing on the balcony, and, uh, hello, hello, hated the music, hello, hated the music. God, it was rubbish. And, uh, you know, and in the end, Gary Barlow will get an OBE or something like that because he's put together a concert for the Queen. I could have done the same thing. Who on earth, who on earth booked book, book Grace Jones must be off? They're trolleys. Why would you want to book that old has been? What was the purpose of being and also Will I Am? I'm sorry, this is Will I Am, ladies and gentlemen. What? What's he doing there? I thought this was this is Britain. What's he got to do with him? Ridiculous. Anyway, I'm sure you've got your own thoughts on it. I think. A couple of years ago before the Queen Mum died, the Queen was heard saying at the switching on of the Christmas lights, I think Trafalgar was saying, Oh look, mummy. She's like that actually, you should call her mummy. When when they did the, the racing, the Queen Mother was there, gin in one hand, you know. Gin and tonic. Because oh. she, she she was well known for talking to her staff, many of whom were gay. And uh, she used to get quite irate if she was waiting for a drink. And uh, she was alleged to have said on one occasion, when you old queens out there are finished gossiping, there's an old queen in here who wants a gin and tonic. Which looked quite quite a nice idea. Rumour has it she used to skateboard up and down the uh, the corridors. <laughs> but I couldn't quite see it myself. But uh, she was great. Great character. So somebody said to me, how come the royal family lives so long? Because they don't do anything. There's no stress. There is no stress in their life. The rest of us have got stress up to here and beyond. But I thought yesterday, to watch those people, and they, the, the reason they were able to do it, as I pointed out to Clive Bull, is that they slowed the Thames down. Not the first time they've ever done it, but had the currents been running, half those little boats wouldn't have made it. They'd have been smashed into the side of the piers. It was, it's quite, quite choppy out there. So they slowed it down by closing the Thames barrier. And, by closing the Thames barrier, the water slowed down, so they were otherwise that the wash from the ships and the boats would have it would have been catastrophic. but I thought at one point it looked like that great Canaletto painting when we saw it before. I just thought it looked wonderful it was it was It was very, very nice indeed, and I'm glad that the crowd's turned out and if you're a tourist in London, hello, hello, You have to talk to them like that they're tourists I don't understand. Hello, <laughs> are you enjoying it? Yes, I know it's raining it's London. It always rains in London. In fact, it always rains in London every day. It doesn't matter whether it's a jubilee year or anything like that. But, uh, you know, everybody lined the banks. I mean, you won't see it ever again. You know, they had... To, the BBC, I mean, really fell far short of the mark, I'm afraid. They had Matt Baker pre- co-presenting in a studio. They would sent his, his co-host out, and she was even worse. They, they tried to feminise Fern Cotton. Didn't work. Still looked as butch as they come, I'm afraid. It doesn't matter what you put her in, poor soul. She just looks like a truck driver. It doesn't matter. You could stick as much lippy on her. And they had loads of other people out there. I mean, Loads of people I kept thinking, what the heck? They must have scraped the barrel. Matt doesn't... You know, he's he's, he's very sweet, Matt Baker, but he can't present for toffee. They were filling like mad. The, The presentation was much better on LBC. So much better. And probably for about a fifth of the price, I should imagine. If not less if not less, 0845 at UK because it's Bank Holiday Monday. Aren't you lucky? Bank Holiday Monday, you've got me till seven, whether you like it or not. That's the way the cookie kind of crumbles today. I got short straw. And, uh, Tess Daly. What on earth does she look like? I thought she had a shredded wheat on her head. Turned out it was a little sort of fascinator kind of... Ridiculous. Who dressed that poor woman? Did she go into a shop and somebody... We- we- wear this, a bit like Colleen Rooney. <laughs> You know, you, you do love it, don't you, when sort of Colleen Rooney goes out and you look, all, all that money she spent in cricket and she still manages to look like a person in a dustbin liner. She's never managed to look glamorous in her entire life. Even for photo shoots, it just looks like somebody in a dustbin liner. And Tess Daly, no idea of fashion whatsoever. Hair looked dreadful. That's the tr- when you bleach your hair, Tess, though, I've said to you before, love, haven't I? I said, it's, it's, you've, you've bleached it too much now, it's gone to straw. It looks awful yesterday. And what the dickens you were wearing on your head, I've got no idea. Ridiculous. Sue in Kingston noticed the same thing. Doesn't she have a, a stylist? Or Fern Cotton's bright shoes showing huge feet. She's got bloke's feet. Bloke's feet. I think it was a transplant some years ago. But the best bit, apart well, apart from the whole day, which I thought was good, and I, and I just love the whole idea because it reminded me of the last Jubilee, which was what was that seventy seven, I think. And I thought that that was great as well. I absolutely loved that. Uh, was was the fact that when they they raised Tower Bridge, and it takes sixty seconds to lift it up vertically. That was amazing. You push a button and up it... Oh, I'd love to do that. And I like the people wearing all their Union Jack clothes and things like that. That was fun. And uh, and then it rained. But, I mean, who cares? Who cares? You know, it's... I mean, it's the kind of thing we just get used to. It. Anybody in Mozart, that's why it didn't put anybody off, did it? Nobody got put off because they go, oh, it's raining. Any other country would be going, oh, dreadful. Over here, we don't care. We're used to the rain. We love it. I love the whole thing about it. And then my day was ruined when I was reminded by uh, by, uh, by Duncan that Wag the Musical opens very shortly. Woof! Woof! About to see dogs home on stage. Fantastic. I mean, it'll open and close, I predict. I don't normally say that about shows, but to be honest with you, you know the sort of people who follow the wags—they haven't got threepence to rub together. They—they they dress cheap. They are cheap. They can't. It'll—it'll it'll be full of all the usual. You know, they—they they will be trawling the NAF agencies to find the likes of Nicola McLean. Half the cast of the only wears Essex, and just about anybody else who's ever tried to sleep with a footballer. And that'll be the extent. That'll be the first night they'll all go out. There, hello, hello. Oh, look, Fears is back in town again. Go away. Lauren Goodyear. Ooh, rough, 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 rough for all of them. And to be honest with you, nobody's interested, Wag the Musical. It's only the kind of thing that OK Magazine put in and The Daily Star. Nobody else bothers with them. Nobody else bothers with them at all. And uh, and, and that's why I don't think it'll do at all well. Mind you, I've even noticed, sadly, to report that even Hello Magazine, which used to have some vestige of, of credibility, has now resorted to putting some naff celebrities on the front page. It's 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 really a bit tedious, I'm afraid, and uh, strangely enough, actually, the, the the papers today, as you know, because Duncan's talked about it, are just full of um of of sort of yesterday drip drip hooray, which is a great headline, and the crowds. I mean, just everywhere. I mean, it was oh, just just wonderful. They'll probably bring out a DVD as well. William chatting away to his grandmother. I like that idea. I thought that was great. Harry wearing a beret. And uh, Pippa Middleton. She gets in everywhere. She's getting on my nerves a bit now, I'm afraid. I've had enough of Pippa Middleton. OK, love, we've seen you. Now, stay inside. And uh, Boris Johnson. Love it when old Boris... I bet old Ken was a bit fed up, wasn't he, yesterday? Oh, I could have been on that boat. But you weren't, because nobody voted for you. And that's why nobody was interested. You are, you are no longer even in the running whatsoever. And, uh, oh, it was Eamon Holmes doing some of the commentary? Oh, God, really. Well, I suppose you have to look up Because they, they seemed to have dragged everybody out yesterday for it, didn't they? Everybody barring the dog was out there. But... Uh, and I, th- I thought I thought the lovely thing was when Charles and Camilla popped in to the uh, to the celebration at Piccadilly. The people there, 500, weren't expecting Charles. And Charles, yeah, a little cake for you. And he brought a Union Jack cake. I don't think he baked it. You know, I, I think, actually, uh, you know, it was... And it was good for all those people. Can you imagine Camilla and Charles turns up? How cool is that? Only in this country only in this country. Do you get it? What a day. But that wasn't the end of it. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, the Diamond Jubilee discussion continues as we look at that concert. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. On Tuesday, the one thing on everybody's lips was the Jubilee concert and the BBC's less than impressive TV coverage. Morning. It's bank holiday. Another one. And what happens on a bank holiday? Come on, altogether. It rains. And today it will rain, and it'll be heavy at times. So southwester's on, plastic pack-a-max and everything else. And uh, if you went down to the concert yesterday, it was nice to see them. The, the sad news was, of course, that Prince Philip was taken into uh, hospital. As I say, the, the, the joke during the rounds is he'd seen the line-up and he decided he didn't want to suffer that for anything. He'd had to stand on a boat for four hours two days previously. Why he'd want to sit down in a seat and listen to everybody for, uh, for hours on end, because they do go on. I think it's only the younger members of the royal family that can do things like that. The Queen should not be subjected to anything. I think she should be allowed to sit indoors and watch it with her slippers on. And then occasionally the camera cuts to her and she says, mm, and just nods approvingly. However... Uh, What was absolutely diabolical, unlike LBC 97.3, of course, uh, was the BBC's coverage of the pageant. Low rent, low rated presenters and put together by a man whose uh, last major TV project was a documentary following Matt Lucas as he prepared to sing in Les Miserables, producer Ben Weston was plucked from relative obscurity to mastermind the BBC's entire four-day Diamond Jubilee coverage. And the word dumbing down springs to mind. In fact, not just my opinion. I did notice it because, to be honest with you, I've often said, you know, any programme that features Fern Cotton, Tess Daly and Carry Grant, you know is Z-list. You know you're talking about people here who have got no gravitas, who cannot present anything like this and something on this scale for toffee. To watch Cary Grant making an absolute fool of herself the other day. I mean, quite clearly, the woman is either terribly delusional or she's so egotistical that she thinks she's very good at presenting. She's not. It's either that you've got to suffer a husband. You know, two singing teachers have now kind of moved away from that quite wisely, I think, if the claim to fame that it was only Atomic Kitten is true. Uh, Stephen Fry was tweeting yesterday and says Has the BBC ever presented a more mind numbingly tedious programme in its history? HRH the Queen, said the first ignorant presenter. HRH. He said, dear me, this is eggier and cheesier than a collapsed souffle. Deeply embarrassing. I expect better of the nation's broadcaster. Jonathan Dimbleby says, dire reaction to BBC coverage of another great event. I'm asked whether bigwigs have lost the plot. Good question for any questions, he says. Uh, Kevin Marsh, former editor of the uh, of a Today programme, says, am I being overcritical, or is the BBC commentary lamentable? Why cut away from Queenie's River pageant to watch that mindless Tess Daly nonsense? Scarily, scarily credible. Scarcely credible. I have to agree. Tess Daly can't present for Toffee. She can do the light, fluffy stuff. She couldn't do anything at all. She's wearing what can only be described as something you'd get as a corn dolly stuck on her head. Mindless, inane rubbish. Not half as bad as Sophie Rayworth and Matt Baker. Ghastly. Rob Wilson, Tory MP for Reading East, says: uh, "Seems we all agree on terrible BBC coverage. Low-grade, celebrity-driven drivel. How did they get it so wrong?" Jonathan Ross: "Was it me, or did the Beebs coverage of the Jubilee Big Boat Challenge feel like a five-hour episode of The One Show?" Again. Totally inane. Have you seen the one show? Biggest pile of rubbish you've ever seen on the television. It was bad enough with, hi-you, and that, uh, w- 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 the boring man. You know, the twosome with that we ditched in the morning. Because we all said, listen, they aren't good enough. They're not going to better wake anybody up in the morning. You want people to wake up in the morning? Tune in to LBC 97.3. We'll actually get you up. You know, to watch this stuff it was just awful. Blundering, inane presenters. Fern Cotton addressing a war veteran, John, as Jim. And where, I don't know, I mean... Whoever in their right mind thought that that was good was terrible. Should have listened to it on the radio. That's how you should have uh, presented it. But they like dumbing down because they get all young people to be watching. No, they don't. No, they don't. That's the trouble. They really, really don't. Uh, Brigitte says, I'm getting up early, ready to leave to travel up to London to take my seat outside the palace. She said, we have to be in our seats by 9am, so all the people are leaving today for it. She says, I've got to leave at 6.30. I've got my waterproofs packed. I think I'll need them. Yes, you will. And t- take some, take some crisps or something like that. Take something to eat on the on the journey up. Constant, spectacular, especially as it grew dark, as the lighting effects and fireworks were amazing. The Beefeater feeder was Peter K. Was that Peter K? Oh, it's. Gee, you're absolutely right. It is Peter K. Do you know? I, I, I was thinking, why is a bee feeder? He looks quite young for a Beefeater. feeder. I like Peter K. He must have made a fortune, mustn't he? He must have made a load of money, load of money. Uh, yesterday's podcast wasn't available. We will check that for you later. And, uh, you know that there was no free podcast yesterday? There was no free... And there won't be one today. It'll be back again tomorrow, because when we do a three-hour programme, when we do the two-and-a-half-hour programme, then you get the free podcast at the end, which we record separately. But we don't have the facilities after the programme on the three-hour because the studio is in use for something else. So that's why. So, was, was, the, was the normal podcast not up? I shall get it checked, and, uh, our man will make sure it's up there for you a little bit later on, if it isn't there. Okay? And, uh, Steve says... Uh, did you say Peter Andre playing at Wembley all on his own? He says, more like on his own outside Wembley. He said, it's funny what you said about the cheeky girls. You can picture that in your head. Good funny show, keep it up. We like to put a smile on people's face first thing in the morning, but we like to tell the truth at the same time. No, the the Peter Andre was a a line that's in the paper today from Ali Ross, saying that when Peter Andre appeared with Piers Morgan, he said, I'm going to be playing Wembley Stadium in two years' time. And I thought, no, you're not. You're going to be doing End of the Pier at Great Yarmouth you know you 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 couldn't you couldn't even fill that i wouldn't think actually because the uh, that's why they never show you very much of peter andre's concerts on the peter andre program on the television he'll show you peter andre loving his kids because he loves his kids as we all know god knows you have to say that every 5 minutes but uh, they don't show you much of the concert they'll show you little tiny bits of it but they don't show you because uh, they're not actually as uh as good as as they think they are, I'm afraid. Uh, OK, Monday's podcast, yesterday's, is now sorted. Tis done, OK? Tis up there now. So for all those people who miss... Crying and sobbing and... Just generally And uh, it's up there now. OK, so uh, it, we just hadn't uh, released it. Uh, Dee says, I've just heard that Paul McCartney is ending the Olympics. Dear God, haven't we suffered enough? Um... Yes, well, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But I wonder, really, whether or not, you know, watching that concert, is is that sort of what the Olympics might look or sound like at the end with with sort of Paul McCartney? If he said he's going to be closing the Olympics, I wonder what he's going to be closing with. And now we know that the National Philharmonic Orchestra are miming. Do you think those artists that you've seen there, they're going to be appearing in the Olympics? Because if McCartney's appearing, do you think Tom Jones is going to be appearing? Do you think that please God Cheryl Cole doesn't appear, I don't we could cope with that one. Holly Ford said to me, I watched her back, she said she wasn't that bad. I said, No, she wasn't that bad wasn't that good either. Um you know, and I'm I'm being cut, but it's it's a show for singers. You know, if it's a show for people looking lovely and standing on a stage, well then yes, I buy into it immediately. I buy into the fact that she looks great, and uh, you know, it's because we're worth it, girls. You know, and she can wear her false eyelashes and her fake hair and everything else, and have her makeup put on by by special people that cover every blemish and everything. But she cannot sing, and that's what she's selling herself out. She's selling herself as a singer. The other question that we're uh, asking this morning is, why were the Queen and Prince Philip left to shiver in the rain for four hours at their age? You know, were there any heaters above them? Did that boat which had 10,000 flowers on it have heating built in? Because, I mean, I've, I didn't think the outfit she was wearing looked quite warm enough. It was a lovely outfit. He was OK because he was... But he's 91 this Sunday. You can't have a man of 91. But the, the problem that they would face is, if they sat down or went below deck to warm up and have a bit of a hot toddy or something like that which I'm sure Prince Philip enjoys every now and then a little bit of a snifter then people who said oh where were they you know the ships were but they were there for hours they were absolutely there for hours it's a long time you know i know people complain that the royal family doesn't do enough but when they do do things it's been quite an exhausting time for somebody for somebody of that age and she's got to do it again today because today you get the procession through london and uh, and then Buckingham Palace and everybody's got to be in place because Bridget is coming up to it. And there's probably loads of you as well. You're probably all coming up to London to watch the, uh, the procession because it should be spectacular. I think, I think they're actually uh, bringing out the gold coach again. Now, the gold coach is the most uncomfortable. The Queen herself has said it's because it's got no springs on it. And it's a big lumbering thing. You can sit if it's the one I'm thinking. You can see it down at the Royal Muse. If you go down to the Royal Muse, you see all the cars and the carriages and the gold coach blows your socks off. It's pulled by I think it's either four or six horses, and it weighs tons, tons. They've got another one I think in the Museum of London, which they take out. I wonder if that's the one they're bringing out. Whichever one it is, it's it's huge and it rumbles along on these wheels. And you look at it, and I think it dates from something like the 16 or 1700s. But it's really, really uncomfortable. I think the Queen has to have a number of cushions in it, so that'll be good. Uh, Jan Moyer is reporting for the, uh, the Mail. Robbie Williams, she said, uh, here. And uh, Amazing Grace made Cheryl sound like a squawking budgie. This was, uh, this was Grace Jones. Cliff Richard in a flamboyant... Suit and tie, wearing pink. Rolf Harris... See, we didn't know Rolf Harris was going to... I didn't know Rolf Harris was going to turn up. Two little boys' had two little toys. Can you say what it is yet? I like Rolf Harris. I think he's he's good fun. And I'm looking here at... at Boddingtons and Crisps. And this is a street party here. Uh, cans of cola and cheesy puffs. And then they've got the Prime Minister. And uh, they've got uh, just about everything. It is just fantastic. Uh, they've actually got... <laughs> Uh, Over in Oxford, they've got just fabulous food here. Red cabbage coleslaw, homemade mini pizzas on offer. And uh, a salad of lamb's lettuce and crispy bacon. And uh, afterwards, cupcakes, iced to look like the St George's cross. How lovely. How lovely. Uh, Order of service this morning for the Diamond Jubilee. I'll run through in a moment so you know exactly what's going on. John Warrington is driving home from a very long and busy night. Uh, Best show, without doubt... The Queen's Horses. Was this the one that was presented by Alan Titchmarsh from Windsor? Now, you know, big, big fan of Alan Titchmarsh. Absolutely. And, er... Uh, How are you, John? How are you? How's your man? I have to do that for him. It keeps him happy. Some people are very easily pleased at this time of the morning, and that keeps John happy. And, uh, And Warren says, did you see Cheryl Cole toadying up to the Queen? I oh, know. Embarrassing, isn't it, really? But there again, she's from Newcastle. No shame, these people. All right, Queenie, how you doing? You know, they're a bit like that. Not not really the kind of thing. There's, 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 there's protocol. You never speak to the Queen, do you? You have to sort of wait till she speaks to you. But uh, you're going to get today uh, the choir music. Uh, this is at uh, 10.30, led by the Dean of St Paul's, the very Reverend Dr David Eisen. And uh, the Queen arrives at 10.28... And believe you me, it'll be time to perfection. Years ago I used to work at New Scotland Yard and they have a special uh, department there which plans all the processional routes and every time a member of the royal family goes out they give them all colours. The Queen is purple so they go. We've got a purple movement going through London today and they know exactly how long it takes from A to B because unlike everybody else, the rest of us, they don't stop at traffic lights. <laughs> LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. On Wednesday, we were all told to look up and witness the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that was the transit of Venus. I know, I could hardly contain my excitement. 5.37 is a time that Venus will pass in front of the sun. We're a bit excited by this. It's not going to happen again for about another 112 years, so if you don't see it this morning, you're never going to see it. The advice is don't stare directly at the sun. OK? I have to say that because that's an official warning and it can damage your retinas. OK? You should know that already. Uh, the oft-deferred introduction of the direct right turn from the Strand onto Waterloo Bridge for buses 139 and 176 has been deferred again, says Bob. Now due for introduction on the 23rd of June. Oh, well, as long as it's this month, I don't really care. Uh, Turning to the Diamond Jubilee concert, I didn't think Cheryl Cole's performance was half as bad as you're suggesting. Well, it depends whether or not you're half deaf, I suppose. I mean, you know, if, if... I mean, she wasn't very good. She was... she was singing. It sounded to me as if it was multi track through something. I don't know what... what a piece of equipment they'd actually put her through, but there was certainly some... some shenanigans going on. But even so, I can hear through that. Because luckily I've been in the, uh, in the business of listening to things for a long, long time. So consequently I was able to hear different thi- And I'm thinking, no, she's singing flat. It's like there's a, there's a bloke who plays the violin badly in Kingston. And, and he plays to Vivaldi and things like that. But if you actually watch very carefully and stand next to him, you discover that actually what you think is him playing the violin is not. It's on the CD he's playing. His playing of the violin is so abysmally atrocious. I can't believe that anybody would ever give this man any money at all. However, we have another parking problem. Here is the case of a kidney swap patient who goes into hospital. She's got a disabled badge, so she parks in a disabled bay. And she has this this operation. An overzealous warden from a private company managed to put on this poor woman's car ten parking tickets. Ten parking tickets, £30 a time, £300 in fine. Finally, the tickets were removed from the car after high-profile calls for the private firm Vincy Park UK to show compassion. I mean, how stupid. They must have some of the dumbest wardens out there. There's this person with a disabled badge, you know, on the front of their car, probably one of those very genuine ones, who's in having surgery and they stick ten tickets on. I mean, come on, for goodness sake. Vincy Park, UK, says, Our terms and conditions are clearly explained to ticketing machines. We can confirm the parking charges have been removed. I think so, too, honestly. I mean, it's a bit much when you have to try and explain to somebody. Look, it's a person who's got a disabled badge. That's supposed to mean something. I appreciate it not if you live around the Kingston area where they're abused almost on a, a daily basis. Um. There's a uh, a woman... Uh, I won't do that one, actually. There's a, a woman here, uh, sorry, a man, a parish council chairman who's been paid more than £20,000 over three years to cut the grass and maintain roadside verges after his deputy awarded him the work. It's unbelievable. This is Tory Nick Thwaite. Despite his rates being £10 an hour dearer than in a neighbouring parish... He's of uh, Long Preston Parish Council in North Yorkshire. He declared an interest and took no part in contract discussions. A number of residents complained after a neighbouring parish council revealed it was paying £8 an hour for a similar service. Charged with the £18 per hour charged by Mr Thwaite. Emma Boone of the Taxpayers' Alliance says the council should focus on cutting spending, not, uh, not spending more, I'm afraid. I totally agree. And have you ever been to a freak show? In America, the freak shows are actually quite big... Um you you're probably f- we, we so we, yes we do have them here yeah, we mainly american freak shows visiting uh yes it's a touring freak show but uh, they have uh, fire eaters mind-boggling midget and terrible twins and there's one woman here who wants to bring back the freak show because she thinks it's great i mean i remember going into a tent years and years ago and there was a headless woman Sitting there, and they had Snake Woman, and they had the two-headed baby, and all this all this kind of, you know, strange things in jars, which looked like they'd been sort of taken off that lovely, funny film, which was about, was it Rothwell? Rothwell, where, where they pretended they'd found an alien, and, uh, and that's right, and, and people sort of, like, I think Anton Deck did a very funny film about it. You know, pretending that uh, we really had actually managed to find an alien from another planet. And there are a few people out there still today who who like to believe in that kind of thing. And that's what The Freak Show did. It brought together slight oddities. You know, woman in a glass bottle and all that kind of thing. So you'd go into a tent and there would be the showman and he he would describe things to you at great length. And then the curtains would part and there would be snake woman or a woman writhing in a pit of snakes or a headless woman. Her head would be resting on a sword across a chair or something. All sorts of strange things. Yes, I mean, I quite like that idea. And they they have some people here, and uh, this is uh, uh, the world's ugliest woman. And her name was uh, Mary Ann Bevan. She was a star for many years. In 1920, the show that she featured in brought in £662, three and sixpence on the door, and a further £48 from the sale of 5,000 postcards and 6,500 books. The world's ugliest woman. The Hilton sisters, where they were born in Brighton, And uh, they were taken by the midwife to put them on the variety because they were conjoined twins. So they went on. Florence Shufflebottom. Florence Shufflebottom was Yorkshire's Annie Oakley. At the age of 14, she was the youngest knife-thrower in the business and combined glamour with sharpshooting skills. And Madame Goubert was a celebrated French female Hercules. She could lift a table five feet long and three feet wide with several people sitting on it with her teeth. And they want to bring these sort of things back. And I've seen various... We had um, a rock horror circus a short while ago where sort of men could lift heavy weights by dangling hooks through various parts of their anatomy. And uh, it wasn't pleasant to watch, whichever way you thought about it. And they had another man who had needles through his cheeks and stuff like that. It was all a bit gruesome, actually, and it was the kind of... There was another man who chewed broken glass... You know, and you think, why would you have or regurgitators. And you've probably seen those on the television because they do pop up every so often, which is where somebody will swallow billiard balls. They have the ability to swallow billiard balls, say about four or five, and then bring up colours as you call them. So you could go bring up the green ball first, and they would go... Mm-hmm. And up would come the green ball. And I've seen people swallowing goldfish before now. And then sort of they show their mouth empty, and then... Mm-hmm. And up comes the goldfish. You just feel sorry for the goldfish, don't you, really, at the end of the day. So they're going to bring the freak shows back, which I, which I love. Uh, will the Olympics be as good as the Jubilee weekend? Because it has been absolutely fantastic. There's, there's no doubt about it. We do it and we do it well. You were fantastic. The police were brilliant. Sarah thought the concert was brilliant. And uh, Eva the Queen was tapping her toes when Stevie Wonder was singing. On the subject of security, the police did a wonderful job. We could have quite easily had somebody who could have jumped into the water in front of the boats like they did at the boat race. Don't want to go back to work today. The weekend was so magical. It was like Christmas without the presents. Oh, can you imagine if we'd had presents as well? Or snow! you imagine if we'd had snow? Instead, we got rain. But we don't mind rain. We, c- we can all cope very very nicely with rain. I particularly like the Gary Barlow, Android Lloyd Webber song, written for the Commonwealth, says John, and also the new anthem written by another composer for the St Paul service. I've noticed now how fast Prince William is losing his hair. At the present rate, he'll be bald on top. Well, I'm hoping i will have a word with old Wayne Rooney, and Wayne can tell him who he went to to get his hair done. He says, uh, read your remarks on being a fly on the wall. This is with the Queen and her lady-in-waiting in the car, and I'd love to know what they were saying. I'd love to know. Can you imagine? He says, I think anybody who has hearing difficulties and is good at lip-reading would catch the drift of some of the remarks made by the royals. Do you think so? How lovely. I'd love to know. I know they have done that before, haven't they? they the papers have, have, have caught conversations, and they've then brought in uh, somebody who lip-reads to try and find out exactly what is, uh, what is being said. That I would pay a small fortune for. Wouldn't you just love to know what the, what the Queen's conversation... It's probably, probably something quite boring and bland. Like, isn't it a fantastic turnout? Look at everybody. Because, you know, as the Queen goes by, the chance of her actually looking at you and waving is pretty remote. Because she's she has a lot of waving to do, and sometimes she just she's she's too tired to do waving. I think they should have professional hand wavers in people who come in and do the do the waving for her. Because it's very tiring. If you're going to be waving for hours on end. You just you can't do it. Just not the. It's it's a skill. It's a skill to wave. You try it yourself. Just 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 do it. Just sort of ten. Imagine doing that for hours on end. Headline forecast for today, because I know you're dying to know as you go back to work. Sorry to keep rubbing it in, but uh, there it is. It's a warmer day, quite breezy. Bright or sunny spells developing for most places. Showers also likely, and they could be heavy or thundery at times, although tending to die away later, giving mo- most places a dry end to the day. So uh, that's good. And if they do lift the hosepipe ban, I'll be even pleased, uh, even more pleased. They said before the Olympics, uh, as well as the fact that in seven minutes' time, eight minutes' time, you will see Venus. It started moving across the front, and uh, you can see it, you'll just see it as a, as a black dot, uh, there's pictures coming in, I think, from, uh, from I think, uh, America, I think. And you can see it quite clearly. It's not very big, is it? I thought Venus would have been a bit bigger than that. But uh, whatever it is, it's moving across, and you'll see it at about 5.37, but do not stare directly up, OK? Try and do it through a, a piece of paper, and it'll project the image onto another piece of paper. A freak show back in the UK. It's enough to turn your stomach and don't get me started on Big Brother. Let's take a quick break, after which we'll talk about the one thing that drivers can't live without. LBC 97.3, this is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. On Thursday, we got around to talking about sat-navs, of all things. I have lost track of going down the motorway at night, coming back from either my godchildren or my brother, or seeing friends or being out with people. And you go down the motorway, and what's the one thing you see? You can see their little sat-nav glistening away on the dashboard. Because quite clearly, we're a nation of people who haven't got the faintest idea where they're going. Not a clue. You cannot make it down a motorway. It's fairly straightforward, isn't it? This is a motorway, it goes from here to here. No, we'll put the sat-nav on. So we put the sat-nav on so we can watch the road moving. Unfortunately... It impairs your driving ability. Apart from the fact that some, let's just call them stupid people, I think it saves saves time, doesn't it, really, Uh, people who have been known to drive off the edge of cliffs because the sat-nav directed them. One went down a farm track in a lorry a lot of Belgian lorry drivers, ladies and gentlemen, haven't got the faintest idea where they're going because they're following satnavs. You know, I have sometimes drivers in the morning who follow satnavs, and you think to yourself, we're going the wrong way, we're going the wrong In fact, one time I had to say, about six months ago, I had to say, I think we need to turn round, we're heading in the wrong direction. So we sort of turned round, and then the sat sent him, I, th- I thought, at this rate, we're going to be in Southampton, which is great, but I don't do a show in Southampton. So what it happens now is it impairs your driving ability. People get in the sat-nav and tap it all. There. And, and people love it. And I have satnav in the car, but I hardly ever use it, because I think it's naff. It's pretty. When I first had it, I thought it was quite exciting, you know, to watch the road moving. But I'd rather see a proper picture, you know, a proper photograph, not sort of a little line drawing. You know, which is very exciting, but I know what a motorway looks like, because I'm following behind all the other cars that are on it. But driver's performance was affected when listening to satnav style directions they carried out some uh, some research at lancaster university and royal holloway university in london volunteers were set tasks by a computer which mimicked the instructions given by a satnav in 300 yards turn right in 300 yards turn right turn right turn round where possible turn left turn Right, sometimes you sit there thinking, is there a little person in here who's determined to ruin my day? Polly Dalton from the Department of Psychology at Royal Holloway said, what's interesting is that people were able to follow one simple instruction without any significant impact on their driving. But as soon as they had to remember a compound instruction consisting of two sequential directions, we began to notice a difference in their driving ability. She's mad as a broom, isn't she? I mean, did you understand that at all? Did you understand that? And as soon as they had to remember a compound instruction consisting of two sequential directions, we began to notice a difference in their driving ability. What the dickens is she on about? I didn't even understand that. And I drive every day on the road. Just think they waste their time. So, in other words, sat-nav systems sometimes send motorists the wrong way, but they can also impair their driving ability. And this is done by two, you know, decent universities. They've actually spent money working this out. Lancaster University, the results of our research have implications for the way these systems can be designed to be more effective and user-friendly in the future. They can't be more user-friendly. You just tap the screen. I mean, having having a screen to tap in itself is a bit of an achievement. You tap the screen and, and then it puts up, would you like to see a map of the route? Yeah. So it puts either the map of the route up, or, you know, just all the different roads, and then it knocks them off as it goes round, or failing that, it shows you the road system, and that's the one that most people favour, because you want to watch that, don't you? And you follow the little arrow. If the arrow, arrow goes, go to the left, then you go to the left. If it says, go to the right, you go to the right. I'd love to hear from people who live by their sat-navs. Love to hear from people who, who just absolutely, like, you can't wait to get in the car and attach it to the windscreen and go, a sat I'm a sat-nav driver. Whereas before, you'd get out the AA guide... Or what I tend to do is I tend to go onto the internet and I go to AA Rootmaster and I type in the postcode where I'm going from, type in the postcode to, push now, and it puts up the route for me. So I, I scan it and I go, ah, oh, right, that's, that's, you know, that's where it is. That's where I'm going now. That's how it works. But it, it is the people who drive down. It doesn't matter where they're going. We're, we're coming out of the driveway. I'll put the sat-nav on. We're reversing out onto the road. Look, it's reversing. The whole thing is, re- it's unbelievable. It's fantastic. Rob says, why don't they make lav nav so you can find the nearest loo? They do. They do. It's on your sat nav. It'll tell you where all the toilets are. It tells you everything. You must have a very cheap sat nav, I'm afraid, if you haven't got the loo guide. It's on everything. It tells you where restaurants are, places of interest. I've got everything like that. You, d- you don't have the loo bit on it? Take it back. They've all quite clearly flogged you a-, a pig in a poke. You need, you need the proper one. Proper one that does the lose and everything. Although to be honest with you, you know, for for blokes, it's what 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 you're looking for is a hedge. That's what you're looking for. You're not looking for anything else. Just a hedge, okay? You don't. It doesn't have to be marked toilet. Just hedge will do fine. And you just go behind the hedge, and your little head pops up the other side, and you just sort of check that there's nobody coming, and you sort of you know, have a wee. That's how it works, isn't it? Eight four eight five zero. stevedlbc.com. LBC dot code at UK. Malcolm says, when you use the term unfunny as a lemon, I take it you're referring to Keith Lemon. I think he's deeply, deeply unfunny. I think deep. But there again, you see, he's sort of encouraged the likes of Holly Willoughby and poor old Fern Cotton. can't believe they've actually got a fashion range out of it. Deep, deeply disturbing, I'm afraid. <laughs> deeply disturbing. But, it's, but you know, we'd love to hear from you this morning, if, if you have fun with your sat-nav. Do you, do, you, do you just have it there because it looks pretty? Do let me know. 84850, uk or 0845 6060973. Prince Philip's on the mend. So, uh, very happy with that. Very happy with that idea. And, um, apparently in today's Metro, there's a 57 stone woman in her bridal dress. Yeah, she's in some of the other papers as well. She's, um, is she here or in America? I can't remember. Yeah, she's 57 stone and she's getting married and she's pictured eating before the uh before the ceremony <laughs> seems a bit okay i don't have a problem with that i don't have a problem with that people want to eat you know it's great doesn't really make any difference at all um when watching the weather forecast why do they talk about anything but the weather talking about sporting events and flowers they want to know about the weather why do you want to know about the weather I mean, just look out the window What's this british preoccupation with the weather it's going to be dry it's going to be wet okay it's going to be windy just stand out there for two minutes. That's the weather. You don't need to be told what it is. We spend far too much time and money and effort in this country, you know, developing. develop it. We all sit there, don't we, watching the weathermen on television, and you get sort of, you know, the people going, and now over to whoever it happens to be will tell us the weather, and they're standing in front of green screen or blue screen, pointing out things they can't see, and they go, yeah, and so here there'll be something coming in from up north, and you think, well, good, good, let it stay up there. Not remotely, interest, not remotely interested. Not remotely interested. The subject of uh, sat-navs. Uh, Bob says, I always have my sat-nav on for speed cameras. Time of arrival, changing route if problems. True, I don't bother turning it off on motorways, but at least I get a reminder of the exit. Yes, you always have it for speed cameras, don't you? So that you... Sp- b- 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 and then you go, bing, 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 bing. So immediately you slow right down, and then you go past the speed camera. And you smile. You smile at the speed camera, but you always look in your left-hand mirror, don't you? Just to see if it flashed. Did it flash once or twice? No. I, th- I was talking to somebody the other day, actually, who's just been banned from speeding. Uh, sorry, ban- banned from driving, speed banned from speeding. We're all banned from speeding, but banned from driving because he was speeding. And I said, how long? He said, six months. I went, wow. I was banned years and years ago, I'm afraid. I was a very naughty person, very, very naughty person, because I actually... I'll tell you the story. I don't mind telling you the story, because it happened such a long time ago. But uh, when I came up to London, uh, like most people, I didn't have very much money. In fact, I think I was earning around about £28 a week. That was it. £28 a week. That was for two gigs in, in nightclubs. And I had a little Mini. And it was quite a nice little Mini, actually. The trouble is, the suspension had gone on one side, so the car listed to the right. So the way to compensate it was for me to sit in the driver's seat and lean to the left. And that way, people driving behind me didn't think there was something the matter with the car, because it looked fairly normal. And, and I didn't have any money, so I didn't have any insurance. I didn't have an MOT. And, and I didn't have a tax disc, either. I had the tax applied for stuck in the thing, which a lot of people had at the time. They had tax applied for, because they used to give you 14 days' grace. But I couldn't afford the insurance. The insurance had run out. I had it when I first came, and then it just ran out. And I knew it had run out. So anyway, I put, I didn't, I didn't do that much driving, to be honest with you. Poodled around a little bit. Anyway, then, um, one morning, I got, uh, I got stopped. And, uh, and, and I, I got banned from driving. But the trouble is, I carried on driving. Because I didn't, I thought that if you got banned, say in, I don't know, Humberside, they're not going to know down here, are they? Oh, yes, they are. They, they tell. They inform the local police station. These are people who live in your area who have just been banned from driving. So I was coming back from a, from a job I had in the early hours of the morning, probably about, for about six o'clock. And I was going back home and I was aware on the other side of the road of a police car. And the police car looked at me. And I looked at the police car. As you do. As you do. And uh, anyway, so I then so I thought, I'll go and get a, a sausage roll. I'm in the mood for a sausage roll this morning. So I pull in to a baker's, I pick up a sausage roll, and I was aware of the police car again. This time it was parked opposite my car, and they were looking at me and looking at the car. So I get back in my little car. Didn't have to wear seatbelts in those days. It wasn't compulsory. Shows how long ago it was. And I'm, I'm looking at my sausage roll, think, I'll eat it in a minute. And as I watch in my rear-view mirror, I see the police car turn around. And I thought... They're going to put their light on in a minute and blow me down. They did. They put the blue flashing lights on and pulled me into the side of the road. I was literally within 200 yards of where I lived. And I just needed to go to bed. I was a bit tired. And uh, he pulled it. He got out morning, sir. They always do that morning, sir. You know, where have we been? And uh, I've been out working. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. Is this your car? Yes, it's my car. And then eventually it came round to the, are you banned from driving? Yes. Although thought was no point in lying. Yes, I was banned from driving. And so uh, then, unfortunately, I got another ban, because then I was driving whilst disqualified. <laughs> no tax, no insurance, no MOT. I had the whole set this time round, and this time they banned me for two years. And I learnt my lesson, and ever since then, this is, what, 30 years ago, ever since then, I've been very, very good at uh, at making sure that I've always got tax Everything is always up to date, always got the M.O.T., because now the police have got these cars, and they can tell straight away. Before, you could drive around without any insurance, and they didn't know. You could have a certificate, because if you paid on the monthly, you could have the certificate, but it meant that you didn't have any insurance. You only paid for the first month, but you kept the certificate. So unless they actually phoned physically, the insurance company, they never knew. And I had one of those, one of those situations, but now I'm, I'm so ahead of it, because I think, just in case you have an accident, but there's loads of people driving with no insurance... So, those were my best bits from the week. James Max will be here from seven with the top stories of the day, but up next, I'm in conversation with Simon Pegg and Tim McInerney. Now, though, the latest news at six o'clock.